It's Monday, January 25th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news headlines and all the gossipy hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. We're the tech version of The View, baby. How's it going, fellas? Going good. Going I don't know how good. they open The View, otherwise I would have I would have mimicked that. I, yeah, I, don't, I don't know what the they do. Is. is there? Do they have like a normal good morning or something? I, I don't know. It's like that. I've only seen clips of it like in the airport. I think I'm gonna have to watch the view now. Who's who's That's on the view? Got. Is it a, is it always know. the same talk show people? I don't know. Change? I, I think Do I saw guests? Whoopi Goldberg on there. That's oh, so I, I think they bring guests on. I think it's four like main cast members, and then they bring a guest that sits in the middle of the desk. That's about what I know. That's about what I know. Okay. Tech history. I don't have anything, but I do have something from history. I like I always enjoy playing the guessing games with y'all, right? So January 25th, 1905, the world's largest diamond was found. Now y'all know diamonds are measured in carats. Do you want to take a swag at how Frenchy. many carats? You say it was the world's largest? The world's largest diamond was found. 128. On 128 carats? All right. What's your guess, Tyler? 19 was is that still is the hope diamond still the largest diamond i think it's closer to like i don't know 500 sorry it was taking a Big little sip diamond. of espresso there 3106 carat diamond no Nailed i it. wrecked you tyler <laughs> i was way closer <laughs> it was discovered at the premier mine in uh pretoria south africa oh man that's that's like uh standing on a stool and claiming you're closer to the moon, Russ. Um, <laughs> we we both pretty much missed that one by a long shot. <laughs> the uh, the diamond well, weighed one point three three pounds. That's a lot of diamond. Does it have any dollar value? No, no. no I actually big, looked. Is it, is it is it is does it cost as much as the moon? Is that basically <gasps> probably probably what about moon diamonds? What what about moon diamonds? It's That's probably about as much as like two Bitcoin. Bewley will let us know whenever he goes because he's going to go to the moon or to Mars or something. I'm sure he'll find a diamond. Dude, I don't know if y'all are making fun of me or not, but for real, life goal bucket list would be to go to space as a tourist, like not as oh, an astronaut, yeah. but like as a tourist. I think that would oh, be I'm so I'm all cool. over that. You just opened it up generically to space. I'm all yeah. for going into space as a tourist. I'm not going to Mars. I would love to go to Mars when I was 20 and I'm not 20 anymore. Yeah. What changed in the last 15-ish years. Family, brah. Babies. Family. You just go, they can go with you. They may want to go to Mars. Ask I don't them. think it's going to be very pleasant Ask uh, for the for the beginners. <laughs> they might go to Mars. For the beginners? Just, <laughs> what? Like, like for the early, early, OG early Martians, man. Well, maybe like OG round two Martians. How do you do that? A pretty OG for humanity, probably. But uh, yeah. they're, they're going to have a rough go of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's what look at look at early settlers anywhere, anywhere in the world, as they explored new lands. Rough yeah, go of it, and and we're we, we have a lot of technology. They're gonna have a lot of help, but uh, that doesn't mean things aren't gonna go wrong, and it's probably gonna suck. I mean, L, even um, just looking at stuff like the ISS and living up in quarters like that in low to you know zero gravity, it comes at a pretty significant cost it's not a comfort joy ride right so send me up there for a week that sounds awesome send me up there for a year so that i have jelly legs less awesome yeah 
sorry, distracted. Kate just jumped in Russ's room and just just a smile and wave at her dad. That's Same why he's not going. Is she wearing us. mittens? Uh, that I was those Bernie mittens. Mitten. That is a sock. She's a big oh, fan. So yes, then socks are mittens. Okay. All right, fellas. <laughs> what do we got from a tech news perspective today? I got a related one. I got a related okay. one. So if we don't want to go to Mars, maybe you want to go to Super Earth. Well, okay. Go found on. one. Another one? You already uh, found one? I don't know. Don't they have it says, a 10 billion year old super earth has been found in our galaxy that suggests ancient life forms are possible. That's right. Nice. Um, astronomers have found a hot, rocky super earth that has existed since almost the dawn of our Milky Way galaxy. It could wow. profoundly alter the search for intelligent life. Which is pretty cool. Oh, that so is cool. Uh, so 280, 280 light years, light years away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can get there probably, right? You just have to travel at like light speed, jump into hyperspace. Yeah. Whatever. Or, whatever. or start now and or. just wait a really long time. Yeah. I think it's fine. Um, it says it's twice as old as the solar system at 10 billion years old. We seem to do the cryo sleep uh, thing. Cool. We got to solve that. Can we not? I mean, they did it in uh, Demolition Man. That was like in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. that's a long time ago. Already solved. Yeah. That's the weird thing yeah. about a lot of those movies that we watched growing up um, or, you know, TV series or whatever. All this, the settings for a lot of those things were in like 2020, 2021. <laughs> what was the one I saw yeah. the other day? Um, oh, I Am Legend, I think was set in 2021. Wasn't it, really was about, I yeah, really? it was about a global pandemic and then there was a failed vaccine <laughs> oh, no. that turned everyone into zombies. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, that's the story. Don't, of yeah. Don't go get the vaccine. No, oh. do. I'm just saying. Yeah, you know, Will I, Smith is still ready alive. No, if Will Smith is still alive. We'll be all right. He's gonna, he's Wait a second. To... Is that a spoiler? <laughs> that's right. uh, well, what's interesting here is it says it means that rocky planets have potentially been forming for the past 10 billion years and perhaps all 12 billion years of our galaxy's history. Uh, so imagine cool. what could have happened on a rocky planet that's been around for 10 billion years. It's pretty cool. It's like, like double, I think, what the Earth rocky planet. Yeah, as long as it has like the right um, uh, like mixture of temperature and moisture and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, 1.45 times the size of Earth. Um, yeah. About three it's times its mass, super Earth. That's cool. And it's old. That's what we know. And it's old. Yeah. Lots of but anyways, we may go there. Uh, I let's, don't know when. Let's do it. Like Tuesday? Next couple weeks. No, I'm busy Tuesday. I can't do it by Tuesday, but in the next few weeks. Maybe maybe save it, maybe for March. I'm pretty busy next month. So Yeah. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. Sign me Sweet. up. All right. Maybe we take one of those <laughs> SpaceX just satellite dumpers. Yeah, the ones that they just, yeah, um, like just had a record batch of satellites launched or something. Put like one that. of those secret lab chairs in there or something. Make it comfy. Take some pop tarts. <laughs> just go. What are we doing? <laughs> what are you just doing? get a secret lab chair? No, uh, he actually, was pointing at his GT racing chair. It's a GT racing, racing chair. chair. This is what which uh, I'm not gonna lie is super confusing. Um, because he's not racing at all. You don't know that. Well, right now. You don't know that. <laughs> I'm sitting at my multi-purpose computing machine. Could be doing a lot of stuff. All right. What are we rolling into? I don't know. I'm not really awake yet. I, know, I almost I'm, sent I'm you struggling. a thing on Twitter that I saw this morning. Ooh. There's a guy 
that uh, he's probably, I don't know, 65 or something, maybe 70. And he's at his, uh, he's at his gaming chair playing Overwatch and he's just like jumping around. That's what I'm talking about. Dodging. Le- left and right. Yeah, exactly. He looks nice. like he's actually doing pretty all right. So it looks like FPS Doug's grandpa for sure. I'm all about it. <laughs> Way to go. FPS Doug's grandpa. That's right. I hope that That's... both of you got that reference. And if you didn't, please go watch that YouTube video after this show. You did not. That oh my gosh. No, sorry. Twitterverse. Get them. Someone get out em. there knows. Someone out there knows. I'll have to go look that up. Did you you're see gonna, the shoes? You're going to love it. Did you see the shoes I posted that had the uh, NVIDIA? Oh, they had all the, RTX yeah, the graphic stuff. Yeah. I saw yeah. that. There are a bunch of jokes I, I in there around FPS off of those, like feet <laughs> per second instead of frames per second. It was kind of funny. That's awesome. I, I was, what's the, what's the word? The sneaker something? Sneakerhead. Yeah. Sneakerheads. I, I had learned about that just, or ran into it. I wouldn't say I learned about it like a couple of weeks before you posted that tweet. And, uh, it just brings me joy that that's a thing. I do not understand it. I do not understand caring about sneakers and I you probably never will, but, you don't but know I love that? that it's a thing. Oh no, Sometimes. I knew it was there. I just, I love the name. That's a great name. Oh, yeah. I, I like, I knew you, you, you people, you sports people will talk about your fancy, you <laughs> yeah. know, whatever floater high tops or something. And I know that it's always been a big thing. Then something, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the. I don't know sneaker culture. I'm just glad yeah, it's yeah. a thing. Yeah, I feel yeah. like I'm learning a lot about you right now, Tyler. It's very interesting. Is any of it a surprise? <laughs> no. No, but there's people out there. Dude, if you go open that Pandora's box of nope. sneakerheads, oh, oh yeah. man. Oh, man. I take your I word mean, for it. There's podcasts out there. That's all they talk about. That's all they talk about for hours. Every day is shoes. I got enough rabbit holes that my brain gets excited about. There is someone on a sneakerhead podcast right now talking about there are people who go out there and just talk about technology (laughs) every day for hours. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know what's wrong with these people. So get in the sneaker zone. Oh, man. Yeah. Tyler, it it gets a bit addicting, though. I want to know about about GameStop. Tell me about GameStop. GameStop. So you guys know what GameStop is, right? I do. I know what they do. Tons of midnight releases back in the day. So, so like that industry probably killing it, right? The the used game industry. No, Russ is shaking his head. No, Russ is right. Russ is Russ is spot on there. Um, retail also killing it, right? Right now. Mm. Nope. Russ Incorrect. Russ doesn't think so. Aaron's he seems. We need a shaking used. of the head. No sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. So so pretty much universally. Uh. It, institutional investors have determined that GameStop is dying. It is it is a Ugh. dinosaur uh literally Welcome to 2010, like, bro. Yeah. It is it is it is the next blockbuster is not something that you would be surprised to hear about GameStop. Well, in the negative sense, not the positive um, sense of the word blockbuster. No, in the it's gone sense. No, I know. I mean, so so blockbuster is also a description of something being. Oh yes, I see. We're talking about the retailer. No, that's fair. I I was telling my wife the other day that uh, we we drove by a shopping center near my parents' house, and I said there used to be a a blockbuster music store right there, and she just looked at me and said, "What is that?" And I was like, Blockbuster Music. There were, I don't know, maybe 10 of them, but we had one in Plano. And I remember going into it regularly. 
and uh, know, but I did not remember not that. have one in Slidell, Louisiana, and I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> didn't. But I, I realized like it probably only lasted at least in our area for five years or something. Like that bottle died real fast, um, and it was unfortunate because I don't think Blockbuster Music came out until right before stuff like MP3s became popular. So they were just timing. Anyways, back to GameStop. So yes. I, I have followed this for a little while because uh, a a subreddit that comes up, especially when John joins us for Financial Fridays, Wall Street Bets, is uh, it brings me great joy to watch people uh, FOMO YOLOing their entire life savings on absolute garbage. And FOMO YOLOing. A, All right. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm with you. A gentleman by the name or handle of deep effing value, and I'm self-censoring there in the middle, about a year and a half ago, so we're talking early 2019, he posts a play, which is kind of how all things start on uh, Wall Street Bets. Well, explain that. And he, he posts a play. What does that mean? It, well, I'm going to explain it. Yeah. So, okay, so he posts basically analysis of GameStop and says they have a new they have new management and this guy has a history of fixing things and i think he's gonna do it so i placed a fifty thousand dollar bet on options that are 18 months out so call options i'm gonna buy you in this keep in mind 2019 you go look up the price it was probably like four or five dollars that's where gamestop was just eroding to nothing and he places this bet. People come in, and of course, it's Wall Street bets, so there's a lot of just like shit slinging. I mean, it, it, it is like having monkeys in a cage. It, it's hilarious and, and glorious and awful all at the same time. Um, I've said it before. Anyways, fast forward like six months, and he posts updates. And I think he did it monthly, uh, if you go back through the post history. And, and he'd show, and GameStop started to like slowly but surely come out of this, right? Like, Fast forward to the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, and GameStop's worth like 10 bucks. And all the hedge funds and everybody that's reporting on this, you go look at every analyst, they're still saying like, sell it, hold it, maybe would be the like the highest level anyone would ever give GameStop if you're looking at market analysts, right? And people are, are looking at his options. His options are already well into like the 200, 300% up zone because he got way far out calls they still have some significant uh you know time value um to to sort of exhaust from an options perspective and and in the comment section people are like get out you freaking idiot like you're up 300 it's 50k and he's like no 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 i'm going to the freaking moon i am holding this stuff i have diamond hands we talked about that these are the yeah, people yeah. that never let go um, yeah, and, and in the comment section, he's like, I think you're wrong and I'm not doing what you're telling me to do, which is sell it, get out, you know, take your gains. And keep in mind, something like 99% of options expire worthless. So when you have major gains, changes in the stock, uh, the longer you hold it, uh, an option, there, there is time value baked into it. Basically, the longer you have to potentially see it up or a down. Uh, it's there's implied volatility. This is you'll hear Greeks and things like that. They all have sort of a a relation to the value, how long, uh, how much it sheds as it gets older, stuff like that. But as as the stock moves up, if you have a call, you're saying I get to buy this at ten dollars. You've paid some premium for the ability to do that for hundreds of shares. He is threw that what he fifty. Had? 
He calls. had yes. So calls calls you buy in batches of a hundred. Yeah. So one contract is a hundred stocks, and you're basically you may pay a dollar. And I, I don't think it's know pronounced stonks. Hundred stonks. Well, yes, the stonks only go up. Stocks they're <laughs> all over the place. Um, so a contract is a hundred is the right to buy a hundred shares if you're buying a call, right? So he he paid a dollar for the right to buy GameStop shares at whatever price they're at, or sorry, at the price that his, um, at the strike uh, price, the strike price. Yeah. And so if it goes way past the strike price, his, his calls give him the right to buy it at that $10, no matter what. Right. I mean, that's well, actually, no matter where it goes, it gives him the right to buy it, but that's, this is true. When you, you would could want buy it at buy a loss yeah, as yeah. well. Um, yeah. that is accurate. Right. So he, he bought this way out he bought it extremely cheap because $10 at the time was a massive increase in the price. The break even would have had to have been higher than that, even because of the cost of it. And over the year and a half that we've been following this, he's basically posting updates that of course he's up into like thousand percent gain. Territory. So this was 18 months ago. You're saying 18 months ago. Okay. So and, the and stock was like $4, three fifty. Exactly. There you go. So, so he bought, and you could probably, I'm sure you go back and look up, see what he paid for it. You can find out exactly how much money he would make on a, I think it's a $56,000 investment, right? And it's a huge, that's a huge chunk of change to throw it an 18 month out YOLO. You only live once bet on a company like GameStop. Yeah. And for the entire time he's holding this diamond hands, people are saying, you're insane. Get out of this. And he's saying, no, I'm going to do it. And when I say everyone, I mean, everyone. You look at any hedge fund, it's garbage. You look at any analyst, it's garbage. Like, you're crazy. When you're up 10%, you probably could have walked away happy. You're up hundreds of percent holding on to it. No, no, no. He held on to this. He is up over 20,000%. Yes, millions of dollars in games. And this this was last week. And this is where it really gets interesting. Because what happened was... This is last. He was up twenty thousand dollars last week. So, so GameStop twenty thousand percent. Yeah. In this, yes, yeah, sorry, twenty thousand percent on the well, options. Insane. Um, last week, stuff starts to come to a head. Like Wall Street bets is one of those funny places. People see people doing this. They see the big gains. They see the loss side of it too, and they get excited and they get into it. So you have all these, you know, retail investors buying like ten shares. Some are whales which is, you know, they, they're throwing a lot more money at it, stuff like this. And basically, Wall Street Bets, which at this point has like a couple million subscribers and, and creeps its way into like Kramer. So ma- major media outlets, you know, where they're, where they're getting into this stuff, he will reference Wall Street Bets and the stupid things people are usually doing, usually referencing them as stupid. Well, GameStop is probably the most fascinating story to come out of this because what ended up happening was... The retail investment arm and the excitement that came off of basically this guy's first play, and then the the positive, you know, slant towards GameStops and just getting fun into it. It turns out that all of those analysts and all of those head funds that have been crapping on on GameStop have, as they often do, been holding major short positions. And so the float which I, I don't know all of the details there. I still need to go back and look at it. But basically, the number of available shares and the number of shares that have been shorted has gone to zero, basically. So the shorts ha- are holding on to every possible share saying, I, I'm, going to, 
I'm still betting that GameStop is a dumpster fire and it's not worth $50 or $60 where it was last week. It's worth yeah, 65 right or sub 20. Oh, no, it's not 65 right now. It's like I'm looking at it right now. Did it drop again? It's 65. Um, so, so we call this a short squeeze because when all the shares are gone, those major, major short players oh, get no. margin What is going called. on? No, they, they get margin called. They, they no, all, and I'm going to like this because oh Rush, just, what is Rush, Rush brought this up too. So it's called a short squeeze. Yeah. And when short squeeze happens and all the shares are gone and these hedge funds that own millions of dollars in this stuff, they have to collateralize it. They get margin called. They have to change their position. So they are forced to purchase the stock at the current price because there are no shares. That's the broker's coming back and doing it. So that's unbelievable. If, if the retail community holds the stock or anyone, it doesn't have to be retail, but if anyone that owns GameStop shares holds it and doesn't sell it, they get margin called to free up shares and the share price goes to the freaking moon. So last week this happened on Thursday that's and it hilarious. went from it went from like $40 to 77 in about 10 minutes. And that triggers in in our current NAS or uh, in the yeah. New York Stock Exchange, and I think Nasdaq. It's too, now ninety eight. It, it, like it triggers just one second to the next. It went from yeah. sixty five to ninety eight. It it triggers what we call short circuits, and it it halts trading on, on in this case on that fund as opposed yeah. to the whole market, which we saw in March. Right. It happened again this morning, and so this morning because this this was funny too because what's what's crazy about Wall Street bets is that they're with 2 million people subscribed to it, you're going to get as much stupid stuff. You're going to get people who play the pump and dump game. The, the moderation tries to keep keep it clean, but it doesn't always yeah. work. But you also have people that know what the hell they're doing in the stock market and post decent analysis. So people will come in, they'll explain, they'll explain what's happening with a short squeeze. They explained what happened on Thursday. They said, that's actually a gamma squeeze. I don't even know what that means. I have not ha taken the time to go and look at it. Gamma but it was an expected... Squeeze? That's what they said. They, and, and I haven't, I haven't Googled it yet, but... Yeah. But basically, that first one was not the major shorts getting burned out, right? It was it was a different phenomenon that's expected going into this week. So we haven't even seen the top of GameStop yet. Basically, this is an unbelievable story, really. It's wild. So it, a gamma it, squeeze is incredible. A gamma squeeze is a transient increase in the price of a stock based on an investor buying many options to drive up the prices of select stocks due to option sellers needing to hedge their trades on the underlying stocks. There you go. So so they actually, even before that happened, that there was actually a fascinating post, and I forget the user that did it, but I happened to be reading through, it was late on Wednesday night, and this guy posts an analysis that basically says, this is what you're going to see tomorrow morning, and this is when it was about $40, $45 a share, right? He's like, it's going to start like this, and then roughly around $60, $65, it's going to hockey stick. And it's going to hockey step up to here, and that's where it's going to hit the circuit, and you're going to halt trading. But this is kind of what's going on. And I was like, wow, that's that's crazy. But I don't understand enough to go totally bet bet my shorts on it. I did actually buy some GameStop shares in the morning because of that. And I have paper hands, as they say, because I backed out at a 40% gain in about 10 minutes, which seems insane. And I, I was happy to have it. <laughs> so I backed out and of course missed out on hundreds of percents, which is fine. I'm, I'm fine. Missing and I out known on about it. I would still be sitting here with them. Yes. You my would. Diamond hands, Russ has maybe. diamond hands. Absolutely. But, but I don't know enough about how short squeezes work. I, I understand the mechanics now better because I've read into it, but 
how people are so confident that they sit on 20,000% gains, knowing more is coming. It's just, <laughs> this is unbelievable, man. Anyways, th- this Love guy's it. bet, this guy's 50, uh, 50K bet is worth over $7 million last week, which means it's worth probably triple that today. It's unbelievable. So he played everyone. He yeah, played one of the all. killed it, dude. <laughs> so one of the articles here, uh, this is hypebeast.com. So I just pulled up in Google News and typed in GameStop as you're starting in on that story. And then I'm trying not to react, you know, verbally, but you see this whole uh GameStop shares That's jump another insane. 50%. GameStop uh stock is soaring again. What's behind the remarkable and inexplicable run, et cetera, et cetera. Um it goes on here, it says. Uh, miraculously rocketed in a surprising twist and it's currently at an all-time high. If you're thinking it's because of the huge demand of products from Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, whatever, you shouldn't be blamed because that's a fair (laughs) guess. It isn't though. The stock price is stored due to investors shorting the company, betting on the GameStop to fail, which again is just like- Getting burned. Yes. Well, no, that happens all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, Bitcoin had this problem. Uh, You you brought up Bitcoin. You brought up, what, it's at $34,000 today. Um, Yeah. And and it and it goes all over the place, right? But but Bitcoin, when we opened up um, derivatives trading, which was roughly a year ago, I think. I, timing, I don't remember exactly. But derivative trading opened up the ability for people to short it. So they were saying, at the price that it's at, we're going to see the bottom fall out. We're going to make a ton of money on the short side, right? Yeah. Um, the it it uh, it was actually last stock- year. It wasn't even this run, but but the Bitcoin shorts got squeezed. Same same yeah. thing happened. It just didn't happen as catastrophically as the GameStop short squeeze. I've just never seen this, man, where you have everyone betting that something's going to fail and somebody bets against that, and then it causes the the, the price of the company to just go way up. Well, and, and if you want a good read, you should go and dig up some of the posts on Wall Street Bet, and I'm sure this is elsewhere too, but it talks about how industrial... Uh, or um, the not not industrial, but the um, um, institutional shorts, those those hedge funds, et cetera, some of these big big players, they're they're used to manipulating the market, right? So they can the the speculation is that you could have a a personality like Kramer get on their show and say, you know, this is not a good stock. Here's me yelling about why it's weak or whatever like that, and it scares your your market, your general investors, your um, retail investors off. And so they're like, ah, I don't like it. Maybe 5% is good enough. I had my lucky run. They back out and it actually gives the shorts what they're looking for. It's it's a form of manipulation. It, I think it'd be really hard to prove it, but it's, it's basically accepted that this just happens. And uh, there was a large, significant marketing effort to try to make that happen when GameStop got to the point where it looked like it was going to be a short squeeze. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, a lot of institutional firms and known sort of short marketing groups came out and started crapping on GameStop again. And they're just saying, this is crazy. Our analysis says it should be worth less than $20. You're, you're going to, you know, you're all going to get wrecked. And then, of course, everyone had diamond hands. None of them got wrecked, and the hedge funds and that particular uh, Citron, I believe, was was one of the big ones that ended up coming out pretty uh, aggressively on the "it's not worth it, get rid of it." Uh, they they apparently got hammered in the squeeze, or they will. Yeah, in fact, the where I first saw this, and I didn't read it because because Tyler had some, uh, we'll just call it Gates level enthusiasm. Um, whenever I had mentioned the the title that I had seen, so I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna let him explain this to us. And, uh, now you know why. 
Yeah. Uh, but there was some some pieces that I just thought were funny, the way they're related or, or written from The Verge. It said, um, GameStop's Reddit-related surge triggered a circuit breaker stoppage. It rose 69% and then in parentheses said, nice, <laughs> on Friday at uh, around 12.45 p.m. Eastern. And then it followed on to say, Citroen, which is uh, what Tyler was just referring to, uh, said Friday it would no longer comment on the GameStop stock because of the, and in quotes, the angry mob who who now owns this stock. <laughs> and I just thought that and was then, awesome. That is, that is an accurate way. So I've told you before that Wall Street Bets uh, does the memes. Like the meme gain is very, very strong there. Oh, so yeah. they have all these goofy videos with overlay, you know, of text and stuff like that. And honest to God, like some of the people that are making them are so talented because they are hilarious. And Citron got the crap end of that stick bad. So when they came out, actually one of the funniest reposts of that was they took a live stream that I believe the CEO of Citron did about GameStop and they reposted it with only him breathing. So it was just him (laughs) taking breaths in between statements. But they did this. They did it like 10 minutes after it was posted. Like they were ready just to hammer this poor man. They uh, they they edited his video out of order to make it say that like Wall Street Bets is amazing and GameStop is going to the moon. Like it, <laughs> it, it, it happened in no time flat. And then they just crapped all over the, the company. It was, I mean, there it's evil. Like I said, it's 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 a mixture of pure awesomeness and you're awful right all right but, here, got, but it has been hilarious i got some more news for you related house speaker nancy pelosi buys tesla options so pelosi on december 22nd bought 25 call options on tesla with a strike price of 500 and an expiration date of march 18 2022 the transaction's value was 500,000 to a million dollars which i think should be totally illegal um I am definitely on the side of the fence that says that with the access to information and the influence that our Congress has what I was gonna ask you. on what's going to happen, that it should not be legal, especially when it comes to options. Are you kidding yeah, me? Because, right. because sentiments can make options more valuable. And if she oh, yeah. even hints or the Democratic Party or Congress in general, it doesn't even have to be partisan in this case. If they even hint at better rebates for electric policy, vehicles all, yeah, or exactly. policy that influences the supply chain, battery technology, solar charging stations, infrastructure, you know, anything could yep. potentially be a boon to that stock. And she's going to print money, which I mean, good for her and yay for Tesla, but I think it's garbage. Okay. That's what I was looking garbage. for. Just, or maybe, thoughts I don't know, on maybe apply for Congress. Go run for Congress. You can do it. like, I don't know, just, you know. I think go, you just go, did, Russ. Just, just said it out loud. That's all you have to do. They can you write you in. Yeah, get your CV ready and just go go try and get involved on that. Get your CV ready. <laughs> Who says CV All right, what else United we got States? here? Very international of you. Tom Brady picked uh, a, uh, another NFL team ready? at random and said, hey, you y'all want to go to the Super Bowl? And now they're Who going. said that? <laughs> Tom Who Brady. That? Never mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> dude is 40. Stuff. Dude is 43 and he's going to his 10th wow. Super Bowl. 
like as a spectator. Can we just talk about the tenth Super Bowl in general. <laughs> he plays like, quarterback for the National Football League. Get out of here. Okay, next. He's, yeah, he plays next. quarterback. Do for they the have National dollar backs? Football League. Oh I feel like gosh. I feel like they need dollar backs. They upgrade. Can we oh, fire man. Tyler? Is that they do have nickelbacks actually? Is this, is this important? Do they? <laughs> Halfbacks. All right, let's. Uh, oh, wait, right. is a halfback better than a quarterback? Stop. Football. Do we want to talk about Blue Sky? Yes. Well, yeah. we we kind of did. You missed the day, but we should. Uh, I, we I'm happy lightly to bring touched back on up. it. And, and we, we lightly touched it on it when you much. and I were talking, and then you and I were talking. It, yeah. He just gestured at the screen, so yeah, listeners sorry. are probably confused about what <laughs> he and Tyler and Russ. <laughs> on on independent shows. We we didn't dig into Blue Sky too much, and uh, I saw you had some note there, so I think I think you should bring it back up. Go well, these are these are actually Bewley's notes, but Go basically the idea here for for the blue sky side of things, and then really what this kind of pointed this is the crux of this is is social media and centralized social media in general has a very significant amount of influence about what can and cannot be said on the internet, obviously. and how it's spread. A hundred percent, and that's that's a major part of it, right? Is is the viralization of of how things are spread. So Jack Dorsey, uh, I think, especially after having to go through the what I can only imagine was a pretty difficult decision to ban the president of the United States at the time, former president of the United States, um, on the platform, basically said, I no longer really want this power. I, this is not a decision that I that I want to have to make ever again. Responsibility, right? Yeah, exactly. And so they in, apparently, you know, they made they made this blue sky or started blue sky in late 2019 as a way to start researching ideas on how to decentralize sort of the underlying platform that social media could use and twitter would just sit atop of this platform and be one of the ways with which you could access social media like things and so the best way and i think i i think i described this a little bit on the last episode to think about this is the relationship that Gmail has with email, right? So you have you have your email sort of underlying platform, which is decentralized, and then you have all of these different clients that can interact with it. So Outlook, Gmail, Hotmail, whatever it might be, they can all interact with email. Imagine if you had a social media platform that sat on top of a universal protocol that could you know, show content to whatever its particular group made some sense of being, and it could be moderated independently. So Twitter wouldn't hold all of the power. Twitter would have it on their particular platform and other people could jump in and have their own, whatever that might be. And so that's sort of the idea behind this. And there was another article that was linked to us. And I wish I could remember, was it, was it Kurt? I think maybe around the AI decentralization that we saw from, uh, it was maybe in, a couple of years ago, they had talked about wanting to break open AI, and mm. Congress had ran some hearings that they had invited. Oh, author that was actually yeah, we, that was it. That was actually in Jack's tweet about Blue Sky as well. It links. That's to, right. It it's and that's what what Aaron and I talked about a little bit more with uh, Ryan was that on on Wednesday or Friday? Uh, I think it was Wednesday. Um, the that was fascinating to me, more, even more so than just what Blue Sky was designed for. I, obviously, it's it's aimed at solving the same problem, but that was um, Stephen Wolfram's sort of analysis of AI. And then uh, Bunker did share uh, Lex's podcast with the physicist talking about a different way to potentially solve that because 
Wolfram's argument was basically, we're not really ever going to be able to unpack AI successfully, especially the bigger, more right. powerful, more information yep. than it has. Well, the, this researcher basically made the argument that we absolutely can. You just use AI to do it. So you use AI to unpack AI, make it human readable, human understandable. And then, you know, you, you kind of reel back to that baseline, that human understandable baseline. You get the same result but you don't necessarily have this big black box that's that's doing all the things. Um, and and it's, it's cool. I think that we potentially have two different ways to solve the problem already. I think more will come out, or it's more than two, because I think Stephen Wolfram actually describes two or three, but his are all somewhat similar. It's having this decentralized middleman that negotiates sort of rankings between platforms and their AI which makes them money and is probably proprietary, as opposed to putting Twitter on top of something more decentralized. You put something decentralized between Twitter and the users. I, I think, yeah. So functionally, is, those sorry. are the same thing. I do too. I, yeah. But but it's it, the way it's described is a little bit different. Um, well, and I, I think they're I think both options. I actually think they're tied together. Um, I think you need both. I, because one of them is the underlying platform protocol, whatever it is that accesses it. And the other side of it is the moderation tech techniques through AI. And I think they need to coexist in oh, I see what you're to work functionally across the platforms. The idea right, here right. Is, is to also, because part of the issue is, is sort of the, the network effect of whenever you Twitter and Facebook are successful because that's where everyone is mm-hmm. and that's where all of the people are that want to see certain things. And if you want to be a part of the conversation, you need to be on those platforms. But with this underlying protocol that you could throw a hashtag of hashtag GameStop is insane or whatever, that could theoretically go across all of these different platforms and sit across this protocol. If the then selected AI that is you know agreeable to the group of people wanting to use something allows that through, then you will see all of that content come through. And if you're part of someone who is offended by you know short squeezes, then the you know that group doesn't see it, right? So that's that's where these both exist. Like one of them is the underlying superhighway that all drives on the same protocol and allows all this stuff to go through. And then you sell the AI that is you know sort of human readable, human controllable via that that other article to control everything that goes into those independent platforms. That's the idea. That's why they're interlinked and connected in this. I think that's actually why Jack was sharing it alongside Blue Sky. And it also the thing that that provides is it doesn't do away with sort of the modern monetization practices that these companies have built, which was one of the challenges. I forget the the gentleman's name who you had mentioned. One of the challenges he was trying to avoid messing up whenever he was thinking about the right way to do Wolfram. this operation with AI. Yeah, Wolfram. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Buley, I think I cut you off. Yeah, no, no, you didn't. It's all good, man. Um, I think y'all have thought more about this um, more thoroughly and uh, bring more opinions than I do on it, really. Um, I'm still kind of investigating it somewhat, but um, found this little article here where it goes into the concept of what Blue Sky is doing and it, it breaks out two different things. Um, basically, kind of what happens with open protocols and then also the challenge of the profit incentive. So from an open protocol perspective, uh, this is this is actually pretty cool, right? So, um, and they used your exact same example, um, with the Gmail and Outlook and being able to message in between and all that kind of fun stuff. But with the open protocols, you could create an account on twitter.com, but also communicate with people on alternate on alternative versions of Twitter. I'm not sure what they mean by that. 
Well, that's so like you know Parler was designed to be yeah. like Twitter. Uh, just that's, another that's, social media. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Not not other versions of actual Twitter. No. Right. Other social media. No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they should have said that's that. something else entirely. But, yeah. So, and the way that goes, it's interesting too, because then you have the concept of putting more, um, I don't want to say power, but more, I guess, ownership in that. Uh, ownership is maybe the wrong word too. Anyway, you go and you follow a person and then you can communicate with them on different platforms like Twitter or Facebook or whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I like that aspect of the open protocol piece, right? Because if one of the challenges here is I have built relationships with people all across Twitter, Twitter holds this massive power to, for whatever reason, if they wanted delete my account or just to shut down Twitter, let's say we're done being in business. How do I go find and build this same network of people? And that's why you'll hear if you follow, um, you know, social strategists and all this kind of stuff is developing an email list because that's not something that anyone can take from you. You are getting their contact information and you have the ability to reach out to them. There's also uh, ways of doing that via text messaging, right? You have a text message um, t- quote unquote type of email list where everyone gives you your phone numbers and you can text, you know, hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands of people all at once telling them things, et cetera, without a platform like Twitter. So I'm all for solving that kind of problem because, you know, I mean, I wouldn't be devastated, but it was something I was thinking about the other day. And then there's the profit incentive side, right? So then you have the concept of, so here's a paragraph here. Um, It's hard to see Twitter actually developing Blue Sky in any serious way, considering it's a public company with investors. Uh, But the project is at least a bit more forward thinking than Facebook's recent moves to tie all its close closed messaging apps closer together in order to make it more difficult for users to leave or regulators to unbundle. Um, Because if they do this and people can just move back and forth and and swap platforms and their their whole ecosystem follows them, they lose the ability to to advertise, they lose the ability to track, they they lose all these things and so they lose profit. So it's an interesting dichotomy there. So, so the, the, that is, that is addressed partially in this whole argument. So first off, one of part, one of the, one of these things is what they're trying to do is give the end user choice. And I don't just mean like choice between favorite interface, but like, let's just, let's just use the current political climate. There is Mm -hmm. a, a belief that conservatives are. Uh, help me out here. Censored, right? Yeah. Censored and, and all that stuff going on. So let's just let's just use Twitter as a that is a uh, I don't know liberal place where people want to talk about liberal things. If you choose to be on Twitter because you want to talk about liberal things, like that's sort of your area to go. And if you want to go beyond, we'll just use Parler and talk about conservative things. That's your place to go. But if there are wider reaching topics that could reach both and those platforms allow it based on the way they're doing the AI, then they can both reach those different platforms. So people can still coexist. You can send messages, et cetera, but you have the choice as users to exist on different platforms that can Mm -hmm. still thrive here. So that's sort of the idea. And so you could still have a better app platform. You could have a better interaction with the individual users. You could filter the right content that is better for the masses. Maybe a hundred million people prefer Twitter and then 10 million people prefer Parler and you'll still get your ability to monetize those different aspects. So that's, that's one part of this. The other part I will say is I don't think that blue sky is technically being developed by Twitter. 
That is the the team. No, I don't think so. No, Twitter is being is is not developing. Jack threw money at it, but they're not. It's a sub program. Oh, okay. Okay. And the CTO from Twitter is responsible for like putting someone, like finding someone to be the head of it, and then they are they are going to walk away. It is Blue Sky is an independent project, but but Twitter Twitter owns it though. Twitter owns it, but it's not part of what Twitter is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about ownership or what or how what they're. Yeah idea is there but they are they are not the people who are i think it's a, I think it, which it's is a why they went and got by, like yeah it's a project you know, that's got, owned by twitter but it's not part of twitter right yeah I, I don't know who owns it but like they brought in people twitter. who would be their competitors to be on this board to develop it so like mastodon huh. for example which is a decentralized network okay. uh, is is on this to help develop it i mean they brought in some other ones i've never heard of planetary active activity pub um so they brought in maybe, a bunch of maybe people. you're right Okay, so decentralized systems to, to yeah. help build this thing out. So the, I guess maybe the problem I have with everything I was just saying is all the articles um, call it Twitter's possessive blue sky, but then you open it up and it's a project that is backed by Twitter's CEO. Yeah, yeah, it's right. like he, it's an initiative. You know, he's yeah. a CEO of something else. Yeah, so they this list here says Twitter can make money from such a decentralized standard by offering access to moderation tools and its social graph, which are all the relationships between various users. And I actually think that that presents Twitter with, and Jack with a dramatically larger opportunity than what he even has with Twitter. Cause Twitter compared to like Facebook is dramatically smaller. I mean, it's not even close. And so there is a significant amount of market and total addressable market that he has to go get more users or at least to find more ways to monetize. And if there are other platforms can attract users that Twitter cannot, but he can still monetize them. I have a feeling that Twitter's shareholders will be quite pleased with that scenario. Yeah. Just my two cents. Anyways, I think it's cool. Um, I like the whole idea of decentralization, um, decentralized fan in general, uh, software development, Product development, social media development. I'm a fan. I like it. We're moving that direction to some way. I don't know how long this will take or if it'll ever be successful, but I like that it's happening, or at least that people are are working on it. Yeah. Do you think there's an aspect of it there too, where um, Jack is trying to find a reason, or not a reason, a um, a a route into the future where it's not on him to decide whether or not Trump should be removed from a platform or anybody? Uh, Sorry, I shouldn't even go there. But it it becomes a if, yeah, if, if that decision gets pushed out to some decentralized, I mean, but then who's, how does that decision Well, get made, no, 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 right? no, no, no. So in this particular scenario, he would still ban Trump from Twitter. Oh, okay. But it would not remove Trump from the internet. Right. He could you. still exist across all of this stuff. And you're, I gotcha. So he, yeah, yeah. things that he posts wouldn't be on Twitter because people clearly hated it. That makes sense. Okay, but he so could still post of, in all these other places. So, so this person would then, and I'm not trying to have a conversation about Trump. I'm just saying yeah, like, yeah, a yeah, person in, in, in general yeah, would this. would would um, publish something and then it would go to these APIs and it would land on all the platforms that hadn't banned them and not on the platforms that had chosen the ban. Right. Okay. Based cool. on the way they picked their AI to moderate content. I got you. Okay. So even if they didn't ban him, they could... If you didn't ever want to see something from Trump on, yeah. let's say there, let's say that there was one social media platform that said everything but Trump, like that was the name of the social sure. media platform that lived on top of this protocol. Their AI that they choose, maybe from Twitter or from some other entity that provides that AI with sort of yeah. the, you know, whatever you want to call it, the paradigm so, that prevents this, would filter out anything that Trump ever did. Yeah. 
so interesting move too that is kind of tangentially related here, but sort of not really. Though I think when Trump inherited the POTUS account on Twitter, I think he inherited all the followers because you have all the followers following the POTUS account, and then that account transitions, you know, across presidents. I think I saw that Twitter reset the the followers to zero when Biden mm-hmm. took over. Is that he right? Didn't transfer like any followers? That. Yeah, I read yeah. that. I just I'm just recalling that whenever um, whenever I'm thinking about okay, yeah, if a social media platform removes you from their platform, it doesn't remove you. Uh, it doesn't take away your audience, right? It just takes away your audience on that platform. Do we know how many followers that he had before the whole thing? Like 85 million. Okay, yeah, yeah. so they, he's at then uh, Biden is at 6.3 million currently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's sense. working his way back start over. Which is interesting. Why do you suppose they did that? That I couldn't tell you. Uh, yeah, uh, I I don't know. I'm not sure we'll ever ever see an argument for it, but I think maybe it's a short here that there's there's a lot of uh, bot activity as well. And and I'm not trying to throw shade there. I think I think Twitter is very keen to try to clean up some of the just megaphone sort of viral side, and and that's part of what needs to be addressed in general too. Is the the problem with how quickly information is traveling across platforms right now that don't have some sort of decentralized way to determine whether or not it's valuable content, right? It allows for truth and not truth to spread at equal rates and have equal playtime. And that's not necessarily good for everyone on average. That, that's the bigger problem to solve, right? Because the yep. not truth is usually has a higher likelihood to create the virality that yep. you know causes things to just spiral out of control or i say yeah. i say has a higher likelihood you if you're using non-truth and you create something that is more polarizing out of a non-truth that yep. polarization is what makes it very viral the, and the polarization is part of it but it's also it's also something that's easier to act on right 100%. it is it is to certain players advantage to make sure disinformation is weighted equally because it so is discourse among other things right and so if you have state actors that are intentionally farming accounts to create the viral flood of misinformation because it's in their best interest it's too easy to do that right now is yep. the problem 100 percent. and so in twitter twitter's notorious for this uh it, facebook too fake accounts are a problem whether it's astroturfing a product where you have a thousand followers and a bunch of upvotes and some positive comments and they're all coming from you know one data center in bulgaria sorry bulgaria just throwing random crap out there <laughs> um that that's not it's not good for consumers to have products that are are sold that way right because it gives people a false sense of ooh, this is popular this is quality this is worth my time information like fake, like fake reviews on amazon absolutely no that's in astroturfing is a huge problem everywhere it's bad <laughs> There are funny fake reviews, and then there's just garbage five-star reviews. Then there was, oh man, I have so many things to say on that. Whatever. There's a funny, there's a funny five-star review that somebody left us on our Apple podcast as well. <laughs> I saw that. That was great. Oh All man, right. but there were memes after Trump got banned from Twitter of him finding ways back into things, basically like him showing up with a mustache in uh, Amazon reviews, like just just <laughs> saying things in Amazon reviews. Anyway. Oh, that's awesome. Shut it I think down. it's about time we shut this sucker down. Yep. I agree. 
And therefore, that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. Lots of good topics, lots of passion. That's a that's a heavy dose of Monday morning tech news that we hope you all enjoyed as much as we did. If there's anything we missed, let us know because I'm sure there's stuff we missed. We got excited about a few topics today. Space, that's awesome. Stonks, they always go up. The internet's a fun place and it's a dangerous and weird place too. So stay safe, people. Enjoy yourselves. Have a great week. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Peace. Later. Adios.